Welcome to I Am 73 on SOA Radio. This is Joseph Borba coming to you straight out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. They call it the Sunshine State, home of the pro-family, pro-freedom, pro-life, Ron DeSantis. Let's lift our hearts and our minds in prayer to Jesus Christ in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Thanks and praise, glory, honor, and obedience to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You are the Father's Lamb. You are the Lion of Judah. We worship you as our King, our Lord, our Savior. We place no one and nothing above you. Lord Jesus, we're praying for our sower, our I Am 73 discipleship family, for all their needs, Lord, the ones that you know that we can't even imagine. You know what every person is going through right now. In your abundant love, have mercy, Lord. Jesus, we're praying for an end to abortion. May anyone seeking an abortion today, through our prayer and your power, change their minds and let their children live. Jesus, we're praying for an end to the war in Ukraine and an end to all wars. We're always praying for our families, Lord, and those families throughout the world who are struggling in whatever way, finances, trying to find a job, trying to put food on the table for their children, those suffering emotionally from panic attacks or depression, those in hospitals. Have mercy on them, Lord Jesus, in the power of your abundant love. Lord, the Uyghurs, yes, Lord, the Uyghurs are imprisoned. They're enslaved in China. They're never going to get out. They're using them as slaves. You don't let slaves free. Not unless somebody says something, Lord. We need the courageous leaders around the world, whoever they are, to stand up and demand that the Uyghurs are set free, that they condemn this act of genocide. Lord, we're praying for the pobre. May your revelation, the Gospel of Luke, it's chapter 12. It's the beautiful verse 2 that says, There is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. In your mighty power, Lord, let that word come true. Now, Jesus, expose the secrets of the corrupt leaders and politicians around the world who are stealing from the poor in their greed. Let their secrets be known, Lord. Expose them in your mighty name. We ask this all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Snapshot of last week, we read chapter 2 in the Gospel of John where Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And there, Jesus turns the water into wine. And we said that scholars are pointing to the fact that this could be the home of a priest, a priest who would go to Jerusalem and serve in the temple one of the 24 divisions of priests, as we're going to see. The reason for that is because of the great number of stone jars that were there. And we saw that they followed the Mosaic Law in Leviticus. There were certain things that made clay jars 
impure and unclean. So having a stone jar, which was not made unclean, would have been a great help to the priest. He was strictly observing the Mosaic law, and he would want stone jars, just like the ones at the wedding of Cana. So here's what's the interesting part. In 1 Chronicles chapter 24, verses 7 through 18, the Bible lists 24 divisions of priests who took turns serving in the temple in Jerusalem. They would serve twice a year, once a week at a time. And archaeologists found that these priests lived all over Israel and Galilee, not just in Jerusalem. No, they lived all over and they would travel from their hometown to Jerusalem when their week was up. So archaeologists were excavating an ancient synagogue in Caesarea, and they found a marble fragment with the names inscribed of the four priestly divisions and where they lived. Lo and behold, one of the priestly divisions, the 11th division, lived in Cana of Galilee. So was this priest from the 11th division the host of the wedding? You can ask Jesus that when you get to the kingdom. Ask him for yourself. But the sign points to yes, that Cana was a small town, just a few hundred families, and they had a priest who served in the temple. And it very could be and points to the fact that he had seven stone jars and they're stone instead of clay. And as we said before, stone was expensive, difficult to make, but it helped with him keeping the Mosaic law, which was the most important thing to him. Interesting enough, do you remember Mary Magdalene? Well, in her town on the Sea of Galilee, Magdala, there is a priest who lived there as well. Yes. So another interesting point, that same fragment that said there was a priest living in Cana in Galilee also said this. And I had never heard this before. A priest who served in Jerusalem lived in Nazareth. That's the 18th division. He served in the temple twice a year, one week at a time. The same Nazareth where Jesus, Mary, and Joseph lived. And Nazareth was a small town, 400 people. They had a priestly family who served in the temple, and without a doubt, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph would have known this priest. And this fact brings up an interesting question about Jesus' family, because we know from the Bible, Mary had a relative from a priestly family. Yes, Elizabeth, Mary's relative, was from the daughter, one of the daughters from the line of Aaron, meaning she's the daughter of a priest. And Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, actually served in the temple. In fact, lots were drawn and Zechariah was chosen as a priest who was blessed to go into the holy and of holies and burn incense. This is where 
the angel Gabriel spoke to Zechariah, told him Elizabeth in her old age would bear a son, and he was to name him John. This is the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. It's chapter 1, it's verse 5. Now notice, we're pointing out how many priests were in the lives of Jesus and Mary. One in Cana, one lived in Nazareth, one lived in Magdala. And now we know from the Bible that Mary's relative, Elizabeth, came from a priestly family, and she married a priest. This is Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the priestly division of Abiha. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in the eyes of God, observing all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Once, when he was serving as a priest in his division before God, according to the practice of the priestly service, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to burn incense. That's the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The sanctuary is the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. Nobody gets to go in there. He, Zechariah was blessed to go in there. So Zechariah, as the word of God reveals, was from the priestly division of Abiha. That's the eighth of the 24 divisions of priests who served in the temple. What is the connection? This is just really great things to ponder. What is the connection between Jesus and the priests living in Nazareth and Cana and Magdala and the fact that his mother's relatives was from a priestly family? What is that connection? It's impossible to say for certain, but it's wonderful to to imagine, to ponder. Certainly, it means that all these priests, knowing all these priests, points to a strong love for the temple in Jerusalem, which Jesus had, which he claims, as we're going to read the, the next part, the next episode, the next revelation in the Gospel of John is the cleansing of the temple. And we remember, we look back and we saw that, remember when Jesus was a child and he was sitting in the temple, the court, he was listening to the teachers and asking questions? Could Jesus have been there in the company of one of these priests? When we get to the kingdom, Jesus will reveal all that to us, but ponder the Bible. Put yourself in the Bible. Put yourself in the Word of God so the Holy Spirit can inspire us and, and drive us to a deeper knowledge of Jesus. And knowledge of Jesus means love of Jesus and serving Jesus. Let's continue with our exegesis of the signs of the wedding at Cana. 
where Jesus turned six stone jars filled with water used for ritual purification into wine. The question is often asked, why so much wine? Why did Jesus have to fill all six of them up? They Each one hold, held 20 to 30 gallons. I'm pretty sure one would have been enough. Why all six? That's 120 to 180 gallons of wine. What's the reason? The key word for you, my brothers and sisters, the key meaning of so much wine is abundance. Yes, To those who believe in Jesus Christ as King, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ comes in abundance, abundant love, abundant mercy, abundant joy. Jesus is the wine that never runs out, but only if we stay attached to the vine. Verse 11 reveals something also equally important, along with abundance. Verse 11, Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and so revealed his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So those disciples, and now you and I, As disciples, we know, we experience, we give our testimony as to the glory of God, the glory we've seen when when we repent and forgive. Jesus forgives us in his abundant love and mercy. We receive his peace, his joy, the dunamis, the power to put on his armor and overcome all the enemy's tactics. That's what happens to those who accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. For those who are getting deeper into the Word and studying the Word, like our sister Patty DeAnda, there's also a deeper meaning. And it's something that biblical scholars called replacement theology, meaning that Jesus... As his ministry becomes public, begins to replace many of the Jewish customs and feasts and beliefs and religious views with what? What does Jesus replace all that with? Here's the beauty. He replaces those with himself. Amen and hallelujah. We're going to take a short break and we will be right back. Want to know what's going on at the Sower Ministries? You're at the right place. Join us on your show, Let's Talk Sower, with your host, Hernan Vieira, every Wednesday at 2 p.m. If you tune in to the Sower Radio, you know how awesome it is to have 100% access to 100% Catholic content 100% of the time. It's like having all-you-can-eat sushi for your soul. The blessings just don't stop coming. If you would like to help support our mission of evangelization by making a donation, give us a call to the number 818-745-1771 or go to www.jesusthesower.com. 
Welcome back to I Am 73 on SOA Radio. This is Joseph Borba. We're in the Gospel of John. We're at the wedding of Cana. And we're talking about replacement theology, where Jesus begins to replace many of the Jewish customs and beliefs, their feasts, their religious views, with himself. For example, in the Gospel of John, we know that Jesus dies for our sins. And because Jesus dies for our sins, there is no longer need for temple worship or animal sacrifice for atonement of sins. No. Jesus becomes a temple. We are temples of the Holy Spirit only because Jesus is a temple and he breathes his spirit upon us. Jesus is the true temple, the real temple. And when he sends his disciples, and now you and I in the Holy Spirit, he replaces worship in the temple in one place in Jerusalem with himself. That's the essence of our Christian faith. We believe that Jesus, the resurrected Lord, the one we worship as King and Lord and Savior and become a temple of the Holy Spirit and worship and adore Jesus, we believe that we can worship him anytime. We can adore him anytime, in prayer, at home, in the Word, anytime. So by changing water into wine, Jesus begins to replace the Jewish Purity laws. Remember, the water was there for purity because they became unclean if they didn't do certain things. The laws that told the faithful Jews what made them clean and unclean. No longer did they need clay or stone. When you have Jesus, Jesus cleanses us. Jesus revealed in a conversation with the scribes and the Pharisees, about what makes a person unclean, what defiles them and makes them ritually unclean. This is the Gospel of Mark. It's chapter 7. We're going to read parts of chapter 7, beginning with verses 1 through 3. So remember, our point here is Jesus is replacing the Jewish understanding of sin and holiness and cleanliness They thought they were defiled by what they ate and if they didn't do certain rituals. For example, chapter 7, verse 1 of the Gospel of Mark. Now when the Pharisees, here's an interesting thing, a point about the Pharisees. The Pharisees tried to live like priests. They tried to live the Mosaic law as strictly as a priest. That's why it's important to understand why they're asking these questions about washing of hands. They wanted to live like priests, and they were following that. Now, when the Pharisees and some scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, and in fact all Jews, do not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of the elders. So the Pharisees and the scribes questioned him, him as Jesus. Why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders, but instead eat a meal with unclean hands? He responded, 
Well did Isaiah the prophet, well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines human precepts. You disregard God's commandments, but cling to human tradition. Verse 14, he, Jesus, summoned the crowd again and said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. Here's the replacement. Nothing that enters from the outside can defile that person, but the things that come from come out from within are what defile from within people from their hearts come evil thoughts fornication theft murder adultery greed malice deceit lewdness envy blasphemy arrogance foolishness all these evils come from within and they defile the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing what Jesus replaces. He replaces all those traditions, all those things that make people unclean and defile us with himself. So nothing like six stone jars for ritual purification can Help us in defilement. It's all about what comes from our hearts, from our fornication, our greed, our envy, our stealing, our arrogance. Those are the things that make us spiritually unclean. Those are the sins that defile us. Do you see it, my brothers and sisters? Do you see what defiles us? We put ourselves in the gospel. We're asking about our personal defilement. That's replacement theology. Jesus' teaching is the new wine. The mosaic impurity laws and the animal sacrifices for atonement of sins, that's the old wineskins. And as Jesus revealed in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verse 17, you cannot put new wine into old wineskins, replacement theology. We continue with our exegesis of the Gospel of John. This is John chapter 2, verses 12 through 25. It's the cleansing of the temple in Jerusalem. Cleansing of the temple. We'll begin with verse 12. After this, He and his mother, his brothers, and his disciples went down to Capernaum and stayed there only a few days. Since the Passover of the Jews was near, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, doves, as well as the money changers seated there. He made a whip out of cords and drove them all out of the temple area 
with the sheep and the oxen and spilled the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples recalled the words of scripture, zeal for your house will consume me. And this, at this, the Jews answered and said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Therefore, when he raised, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they came to believe in the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, Verse 12, we read, Jesus, his mother, and his brothers went down to Capernaum. They went down to Capernaum because Cana is in the hills of Galilee, and Capernaum is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, which is actually below sea level. Mary went with Jesus' brothers. John does not name them, but the synoptics do. In Mark chapter 6, verse 30, there's four brothers named, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Now, here's the question. Are these Jesus' blood brothers? Did Mary have four other sons? If so, then Mary would have had at least seven children because the gospel of Mark in chapter 6, verse 30 also said, He had two sisters who also remained unnamed. The word for brothers in Greek is adelphos. And in the Greek, it usually does mean blood brothers. However, as we know, the Bible was first preached in The Bible was actually written, but the gospel was first preached in what language? In Hebrew. So it was translated into the Greek. And in the Hebrew, the translation for Adelphos also means half-brother or cousin or brother-in-law. And that is the teaching of the Catholic Church and also the Orthodox Church. The teaching is that Mary is ever virgin, perpetually virgin, and that any Adelphos mentioned in the Bible are not blood brothers of Jesus, but either half-brothers, sons of Joseph by a previous marriage, or as St. Jerome taught, cousins of Jesus. The Protestant churches, however, believe that Mary did have other children. I have always taught and will always teach that belief is not a sin. It's not a sin to believe this, that Mary had other children, because Mary and Joseph were 
married and having children is God's plan for marriage. In this case, because God chose a virgin to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and conceive a son whom she will name Jesus, and her son will be called Holy, the Son of God, we believe and will always believe that the Blessed Virgin Mary was ever virgin, perpetually virgin. That's going to be our belief forever. It's unchanging. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. That's our Bible study for today. Be a disciple of Jesus. What do disciples do? We pray the word. We live the word. We share the word. Amen to the blood of the Father's Lamb, Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed this message produced by El Sembrador Ministries. Remember, you can watch ESNA programming 24 hours a day through the ESNA radio app on the radio 5.40 a.m. in Carmel Valley or at www.jesusthesower.com. Look for us on social media and on our YouTube channel as Noel Diaz Esne. Do not miss out on the wide variety of messages and religious material for the growth of your spiritual life. The number of our offices is 773-777-7773 and you can visit us online at www.elsembrador.org The Sower New Evangelization Thank you for being part of this great family.